We're going to start talking about a topic that's been on the mind of many people. 666. The unholy trinity. The unholy trinity. And as I was going through, I realized we might not get exactly to this number until next Sunday. So I'm going to keep you in suspense. Uh, One thing I try not to do is rush through the message to get to a point, kind of letting God direct the message, how far He wants me to go. Even last night, I got a whole sermon here we can hear sometime uh, from last night. But uh, it was so important uh, to worship Him. Now this topic is is challenging because... um, and it's, it challenges our unity in the church among believers. The whole end times uh, thought process on when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And it, it can get frustrating, right? Because we have our opinion. Anybody has an opinion on end times? And, uh, it, you know, and, and I do too as well. Uh, and I think God allows us opinions so we can practice Scripture. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Be slow to anger. And I can... And Jesus prayed. He actually prayed. This breaks my heart sometimes. I pray that they would be united as we are. So I think we forget how important unity is because unity will jack up a service. Disunity will. It will really mess up a service. That's why I try to get all the disunity out before Sunday and Wednesday because you can feel it. There's something about it. And you'll notice, maybe some of you won't, but some of you will, the last, probably the last eight months, I did podcasts with different views. Uh, on the end times. One view was pre, uh, post-tribulation, which means they believe you know, Christians will go through the tribulation. One view was with Sam Storms on amillennialism and his view on the end times. Very interesting. Um, and then a friend of mine who actually wrote a book, I think his PhD was on Revelation, wrote a book on Revelation. And he would be what you would consider the, the current view of many uh, dispensational and I'll get into different terms if I need to, uh, pre-millennial, um, that we're, we're, we're raptured out of here before the tribulation. So, I talked to him last month, and I'm not going to say his name or anything because he's well-known, uh, pretty well-known. And he said, Shane, I can't do the podcast, I'm changing my view. And I'm like, whoa, what's making you change your view? And he goes, well, in my book on Revelation, I wrote that the white horse that we talked about is the Antichrist. He goes, I can't, there, I can't, I have no support for that. And now I've got to retract a lot of these things. And he goes, I, I think we could possibly go through the tribulation. Um, and here's why. And he began to break it down. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess we can't, I need to find someone else then who, who can do, who can do the, uh, the podcast. And I just, it ju- I just realized that there's different views in this. And you need to know that the Scripture is not crystal clear. You can say Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. We've got to agree on that. There's no other option. Uh, The virgin birth, the inerrancy of Scripture, so many things. But when it comes to when we're out of here, and is it a literal millennial reign, and is the church in Israel, are they, because there's something out there called replacement theology, where actually now the the church has been grafted in, and God no longer has a plan for Israel anymore. Now, again, for me, I, I, when I read Scripture, I just come away with, well, it sounds like he's still got quite a few plans. It sounds like there's some promises that still need to happen. And so, um, but I've got friends that, and people that go here that don't agree with that. And so we just learn to kind of, you know, uh, um, disagree to disagree. You ever heard that phrase? And it's, it's hard, because any of you type A, opinion A people out there, 
Don't leave me hanging because I know who you are. I'm going to call you out right now if you don't get your hand up. Let's try this again, right? Okay, maybe there's not in first service. But in the, when I first planted the church, it was hard because you got your opinions and you, and you start to realize that, well, maybe God allows us some flexibility on the non-essentials. Hmm, is that possible? And so even though I love when people say, man, Pastor Shane, I love, I agree with everything you say. And I'm like, well, try to find some things because it's not, that's not healthy. <laughs> you know, the, the Bible's our view of this. So anyway, um, and I, I don't know how many of you have heard past teachings on Revelation. I don't want to get into a lot of things um, because I've already talked about them. And I don't want to make this about points of contention or differences when the bottom line is he's coming again. Are we ready? I mean, that's what we need to be centered around. Um, and I guess maybe I will kind of throw some, some just some situations out there that I've been in and why it kind of hurt, hurt me back then and why I try to learn from it. But um, I don't know how many of you remember when Chuck Smith was around that show to every man and answer or pastor's perspective. I don't remember exactly, but I listen every, every uh, Monday through Friday at three. I had it, you know, I was actually back then operating heavy equipment. So I had a radio in there with air conditioning and heating. I know it was cheating, but that's okay. I paid my price when I was younger, digging ditches. So every day, and I've, that's where I've got a lot of my, you know, um, my education has been from Chuck Smith, the Calvary Chapel movement, uh, of course, Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley, Alistair Begg, MacArthur, some of his stuff, uh, and, you know, James McDonald. Remember, he was on the air with uh, just, you know, powerful preaching. And, um, and so I remember, though, uh, it was Hank Hanegraaff. How many of you have heard of the Bible Answer Man? Well, he memorized the book of Revelation, and eventually he came out that he's no longer what this group is. He's all millennial. And I remember on that program for like weeks, they beat him up. Like, yeah, he's, I don't know what's going on with that guy. He's apostate. He's like, I'm like, what? wow, that's pretty strong language. Let me look into this a little bit more. I mean, we're talking, you know, 2006, seven, And I realized, okay, I see where he's coming. I don't quite agree, you know, but he's got some great points. And men of God are divided. The early church for 1,800 years did not take the pre-rapture view. It, it's a it's a Schofield Bible, a Darby. I mean, but it is you know it, it's got some biblical, um, uh, solid biblical foundations as well. Where people who think that, and again, I'm I don't I don't pr- propagate one way or the other because I see good views on all of them. Uh, I see I understand the rapture view before the tribulation. I understand it, but then I've got other views, and I just can't come out here and say, hey, here's how it's going to happen. Here's how it's going to break down. I'm certain of that because I hate telling people things that are not true. I don't know about you. So, and I remember they blasted him. It's like this, like they took him off the air and they're like, over that? But see, that's pride. When things start to, you know, um, you know they, they come against people. And many of you don't know this. Some of you do. I haven't shared it a lot. But I caught a lot of heat for what I said about Alistair Bake from well-known names that I understand that why, why aren't you you know, taking them off the radio, and this is, this is so sad, what, what's happening, I'm like, wait, hold on, let's just, let's just unpack this for a minute here, uh, he believes in marriage, he doesn't think gay marriage is right, he, uh, he's a, he is appalled at everything that is going on, but he offered counsel to a grandma that she maybe should consider going to her uh, grandson's or granddaughter's wedding that is a gay marriage, 
I'm like, that's not the counsel I would give. You know, I don't, and, but you, do we throw people under the bus that quickly? After 35 years of faithful ministry and he's got, follow me around for a week. I mean, you, you told them what they should get divorced? Pastor, I can't believe, I can't come to your church anymore. Well, he's been addicted to pornography for 14 years and won't repent. And Jesus said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so with he you can lust after a woman in your heart. You don't have to commit the act. And if he's unrepentant, is that biblical grounds? I believe in restoration. I hope for it. I contend. But sometimes we give counsel. Normally I say, take it to the Lord now. I've learned my lesson. That's between you and the Lord. Take it to God. But just the, the vitriol of, of people that, you know, because you can't totally agree with their view. And so anyway, that's kind of the setup with this whole idea of 666, you know, because you know there's Christians during the tribulation, right? They're called the tribulation saints. There are believers here. And that's another thing that I really begin, um, 20 years ago they would say, you know, we're not appointed to God's wrath, and they would read the scripture and say, that's why we can't be here. Well, what about all these other people that are they're Christians? Why are they here? Well, they got in too late. Well, but then that verse doesn't apply if it and also that verse about we're not appointed to God's wrath has to do with the final judgment, the final wrath of God. And I believe God can preserve his people if we are here. Do I hope we're here? No! <laughs> no! Absolutely not! It's possible. Jesus brings us up, gets us out of here before this all hell breaks loose. Please, God, please, please, please. But we can't think that we're so much better than all these other people you know, that they have to remain there based on that verse. Now, there's other arguments. God needs a church out, here to, out of here to deal with Israel. Okay, I got, I, uh, kind of, yeah. But can he deal with Israel even while we're here? Uh, and then other views. You know, it, they've always believed in the immediate return of Christ, right? The immediate return of Christ. That's what 2,000 years ago, they've been waiting on that. And that, that's a good point, because if there's a tribulation seven-year period, we can kind of predict when Jesus is coming again. So, you know, nobody, nobody knows the day or the hour. But do we know the week? The month? Can we discern the times and say, hey, it's getting pretty close here? And so, see, there's, there's, you can poke holes in every argument. That's why I say, I, I'm a pan-trib. How's it going to all pan out? I don't know. I'm here to prepare the church. I'm hoping we're out of here. I'm praying we're out of here. Uh, are, but are you ready are you ready? Is a literal millennial reign of Christ? That would be cool. Sounds, sounds kind of like it, and we'll get to that when I get into the millennial reign. Um, but you just have to be careful on this issue because it can cause a, a reason of division in the church. I remember a lady who emailed me who no longer comes here now, and um, you know, she, she put that in there because you no longer believe and I'm like, wait, where did I never say that? I said, I'm open to different views. I don't know what's going to happen. I want to prepare the church either way. We're, and, but it's such a divisive issue. And I know I struggle with that. If you don't believe what I believe, if you're not voting for my guy, <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Right? We all have them. So that's why I think Scripture is clear that our opinions need to die. We need to honor others and put them first. And how else are you going to practice that if you don't agree? It's, it's, it's just clear, but it's hard. How's that? Clear but hard. So we're talking about the Antichrist. How many of you have heard that term? Everybody, of course. A couple things. The, the Bible doesn't say that one person is the Antichrist. We've, we've put that label on, maybe rightly so. You know, the beast, 
that arises from the sea, the beast that arises from the land, Satan, that great dragon. And so we put these terms on people, which isn't bad. We actually put the word Trinity on the Trinity. The Bible doesn't talk about the, the word Trinity. And that's why people say, oh, you, you guys believe in the Trinity. The Bible doesn't even talk about it. Well, yeah, it talks about it, just doesn't call it the Trinity. Did you know in the Bible it doesn't say the word Bible? Are we in trouble? No, sometimes we use words to define what we're thinking. So the Antichrist spirit has been here a long time. Did you know that? A couple things I just saw in the news on the Antichrist spirit. Family loses custody of teen for denying the child's new gender identity. What? Montana? A river runs through it, fly fishing? Montana, that Montana, the Snake River and the conservative as they get, that Montana, family loses custody because they didn't identify what her teen wanted to become. Actually, that's parenting. And I don't know who she is, but there's this person running for office, and she had a, a, a flamethrower, and she's, she's flaming all these books. You know, the, the LGBTQ, the rainbow. And people are like, so, are they, oh, it's back to bur- book burning and you Christians and the Salem witch trial. I'm like, yeah, we, I have no problem burning perverted books. Freedom of speech is not freedom of pornography. <laughs> Think about that. that. When the founding fathers did freedom of speech, they had no idea that it would include all of this garbage and perversion and illicit sex. It's common knowledge. That doesn't include that, but we become so stupid as a nation and so woke and so worried about people's opinions. I'm so worried about God's opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm sure God's not saying, you know what, don't burn those books. At least donate them to the library. No, he's not. <laughs> you burn that stuff. The book of Acts, they burnt all those books of magic and witchcraft and spells. It was a very positive thing. So they're going to put a little clip, Pastor Shane is for book burning. <laughs> the right books. I even felt convicted. You know, when I, had, when I came back to the Lord, I had all these old CDs. Anybody relate? Back when maybe vinyl records for you. <laughs> or the infamous 8-track. Remember the 8-track? <laughs> Shoving in that thing. I still remember camping in the high Sierra mountains. My mom would just get that, hang, that, that John Denver 8-track. <laughs> Country road, take me home to a place. I belong, West Virginia, mountain mama. Take me home, country road. But I was convicted. I was going to donate them. I'll never forget because they were giving like $2 a CD, and I had like 300 I mean, everything from, you know, all the whoever back then. And I'm like, Lord, $600? Like, trash those things. Nobody should be listening. You shouldn't promote that to someone else. Like, and, I, and I threw away half, and I kept half, and I'm like, God, dang, this is painful. And finally, you know, but there's, there's something about you don't pass on things that are destructive to others. And man was charged for ripping down the satanic monument in Iowa. God forbid. You can burn up our cities during COVID. And you can tear... Do you know that how many BLM protesters are got paid by our government? Yeah. Yeah. What? 
you guys have lost your mind. So see, we, if you've ever not known what the verse means, woe be to those who call evil good and evil good, well, guess what? You have a front row seat on exactly what they were talking So the Antichrist spirit is here. The Bible talks about anything that is against Christ. It is anti-Christ. That's what the word means, against Christ. So we have the Antichrist spirit is here alive and well. And it is getting more sick and more perverted. And that kind of what, what, what alarms me is when I was growing up as a kid to now, it's like, what happened? Leave it to Beaver to, you know, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and dating shows, reality shows that are stench in the nostrils of God? How far have we drifted? And, and what's, what's also alarming is how many Christians now are watching what it normally would have been shocking. If you would have shown this stuff 25 years, 30 years, they would have shocked Christians. Oh my goodness. But now we've been desensitized. Revelation 13. It took me 20 minutes to get here. <laughs> then I stood at the sand of the sea. Remember, John is exiled on this island known as Patmos. And he is there. Did you know most of your Bible was written from prison? Or a lot of it. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. The feet were like feet of, of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So we see the dragon giving this beast some authority. And as we're going to go, we're going to see another beast. And that's why I call it the unholy trinity. Kim, I don't know if we have that image that shows that a little bit. It might help people understand as we go through this book. The unholy trinity, look at that compared to the, the, the true trinity. The Father, Satan, the Son, the Antichrist, the Holy Spirit, the false prophet. So Satan has the unholy trinity. And what I did, we can go back to Revelation 13. I actually, this, this whole week, that day it rained, it was incredible. I, from 3 a.m. to 10 a.m., I just sat on the couch and worked on this message, worked on the article, and it was just, a lot of the things I'm going to share with you just were on my own heart. But then, of course, I looked at commentary, commentaries because you have to, you can't just, oh, you know, I've got this new truth. No, it's, if it's new, it's not true. And so you look at, at commentaries and other men who've studied Scripture who can speak Greek and Hebrew and see what they, how they dissect the word and the phrase and the sentence structure. But the first question that comes up often is, why all the symbolism? There's this figure rising out of the sea. And most agree that this, this person is rising out of a sea of humanity. Not necessarily the water like you're seeing some creature come out of the, the ocean. Oh, look at that in the Pacific Ocean. What is that? So the Bible will use, especially in Revelation, and what's interesting, if you ever get time, <laughs> look up how many times the Old Testament is mentioned in Revelation. It's hundreds. So John goes back, grabs from the Torah, or Septuagint was at that point. But he grabs from Old Testament imagery. Clouds, darkness. And a lot of times when we think, oh, the, the stars are going to fall. They're actually maybe not going to actually fall. 
If you look at the Old Testament, what that means with the God's judgment is coming in. Even it's, it's so cataclysmic that even the stars fall, the red, the sun becomes black, the moon becomes red. And, and if you look at what that means in the Old Testament, you can see, oh, this is what this could mean. And so it is challenging because what's literal and what is figurative? What is metaphor? What's a simile? <laughs> and it used to, man, I used to pound my radio sometimes. When, remember Bill O'Reilly? He goes, you guys, you take the Bible literally. You know, and I'm like, oh, if I could just talk to this guy. And he would give examples. I'm like, oh, man. Yes, it's not supposed to be taken literally. And the, well, who determines it? You guys, well, the context. It's, not, it's actually not too hard to, to understand what is, I mean, did tears of, of, a river of tears flow out of Jeremiah's brain? Like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? I'm sorry. There's water everywhere. The right hand of God. There, they, so the Bible will use image, imagery that we can understand to relate. And so that's the only way to express what's going on is John has this incredible vision and sees this, this leader, this person coming out, out, out of the, the sea of humanity. And so it's the Satan, the Antichrist and the false prophet, we will soon see. But Satan, it looks like, gives him unholy gifts. Isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit works too? Compared to this unholy holy trinity and seven heads may mean leadership and direction with the horns meaning strength and authority because again if you look over into the old testament the horn of my salvation what does that mean or they the horn what it represent the horns of the altar and so you look at all these things which would be a whole series on itself uh the old testament and revelation and then we see handing over sovereignty uh, something is coming up right now. I don't know if you, how many of you are following this, um, but uh, good old Biden is considering signing over, signing over our sovereignty. I think they're voting on it in May. That's why we're contacting senators to the World Health Organization in case there's a global pandemic. So if there's ever issued a global pandemic, then the World Health Organization would tell America how to, uh, to conduct itself. It hasn't passed, and at first I thought, no, this is, that's crazy, and then, you know, conspiracy. And so the more you research it, the more people I read, uh, followed up with, I followed the American de de uh, defense attorneys or defend, uh, ADA, um, and read their, and it's like, wow, this is, the, this is scary. Because who, who, who determines, hey, the world says we're in a lockdown? You know, and so you can see how this one world leader could raise his ugly head here shortly and god often uses pestilence and famine and enemies to judge his people are you saying shane we're the same people as israel no i think there's different application i think obviously theocracy and how god ruled israel i think now under christianity there's differences but i do believe there's a lot of scriptures talking about if a nation honors god if her people honors god that god will do such and such but he will use pestilence, famine, and enemies to judge his people. Any of those sound familiar right now? I hope all of you realize that not everyone coming into the border is nice and needy and genuine. That's just, that's just the truth. And I get it every time I mention this, people are like, I can't believe you said that. Christians are supposed to, to help those in need. And the sojourner, yes, me as a Christian. Yeah, 
If you said there's a family, they're homeless. Yeah, that's what we do. The government doesn't do that, folks. Read Romans 12. The, the gov- then we, we, what we do is we apply all these scriptures to an individual, to the government. Turn the other cheek to Russia. Oh, no, 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 no. No. Don't do this. Don't do that. Jesus, what would Jesus do? He wasn't running the government yet. The government sits upon his shoulder, the final authority. So how a government acts, according to God's word, is to be a restrainer of evil. And to do that, they're going to do things that I couldn't do as a Christian. They're supposed to. Pin drop. Revelation 13, 3-4. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. So somehow, some way, this creature, which obviously is a person, he is going to be mortally wounded and then healed. And all the world will marvel and follow the beast. It's so funny. And, and I do believe as we progress in uh, our theology, or and not progress in our theology, I shouldn't say it, but as, we, as time goes by, we are able to, to look at prophecy, I think, with a little bit better accuracy than some people. Because we've seen Israel become a nation. We've seen how, because reading commentaries, I think like, uh, I mean, if you read the Geneva Study Bible that the pilgrims brought over before the King James Version was, was um, it, it's actually a funny read what they talk about, and wow, these guys, hardcore. But then also like um, uh, Matthew Henry, have any of you read his commentary? It's old, it's like, I think George Whitfield read it in the 1700s, so it's probably close to 400 years old. And what they talk about, it's like there's no way there's no way, how can the world see all this? That's not even possible. And so they'll, they'll turn it and they'll, they'll say what they think, but they didn't know about the internet. By the way, do you know people crossing the border are getting phones? And do you know who they're voting for? Any connection there? You think, I mean, uh, Africa and even, even poor areas have these phones. They're getting, and so you can see how, oh, this could, <laughs> this could definitely play out. The, the whole, and the whole world doesn't mean every single person. It means, though, the, the very large majority. And the world marveled because he had been healed of this. So something has to happen that is just completely miraculous. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So this person rises up and the world begins to follow him they marvel and follow again wounded literally or it could be geographically Um, we don't know exactly what this one world system is i'm actually kind of concerned with ai i mean it can make you your face on this person talk your word you know saying this and and all these computer generated they call it the deep fake now have you heard of that where you can actually literally impersonate someone and with ai who knows where this will go it's artificial intelligence here's why ai may be extremely dangerous by tamlin hunt the idea that this stuff could actually get smarter than people i thought was way off obviously i no longer think that said jeffrey hinton one of google's top artificial intelligence scientists in testing gpt4 it 
performed better than 90% of human test takers on the bar exam. We won't be able to simply hit the off switch because the super intelligent AI will have thought of every possible way that we might do that and take action to prevent being shut off. Now, I don't completely understand. I don't think anybody does. I mean, a computer cannot be like a person. God created us with the emotion, the thinking, the mind. The mind, if you, if you study what they call um, you know, neuroscience and, and and uh, follow Dr. Huberman sometimes from, I think, Stanford. On the, and the brain is so complex. It's amazing. I still don't know how these guys can think, believe in evolution. There's no God. It's just so, he does, and I think he's coming around. But, um, but they do all this programming into this, this huge computer system. And the algorithms, and, the, and we, we don't know what could happen. It could be very, very dangerous. This could play a role in end times. Uh, uh, theology absolutely so could they follow this ai generated leader and we don't know we do know what to watch out for if we're here i guess if we're not here then we don't have to, you know what for those of you who don't think we're here just go like this <laughs> but actually you might need to pass the cd on to others who will be here so we find here from this the remnant will not follow the remnant will not follow this Antichrist. And I gave a lot of references there. These people worship the dragon, but follow the beast. So isn't that interesting? They're worshiping the dragon, like Satan, which is spiritual, but they're following the beast, which is a literal person. And so both things will take place. And there will be no such thing as neutral worship during this time. Because right now, even in the past, you can kind of, kind of stay neutral, right? You know, we don't know where a person's at. But the more things come out, and what we saw, especially during COVID, and with all these other LGBTQ issues or um, on the abortion industry and all the, the churches that are, that are silent and condoning versus those who are, do you see the divide going on? And you know, at what point will you have to pledge your allegiance to either God or the world system? It's not unheard of. Remember Rome under Caesar Nero? Nero was his name, Caesar was his title. Or we see throughout history that you'd have to give allegiance. Hell Caesar. In Nazi Germany, there was no more neutral worship or neutral allegiance. They worship the beast. Same thing happens now when Satan elevates an athlete or an entertainer. <laughs> Uh-oh, let that sink in. Think about that. Satan elevates someone. And we run into somebody. I ran into LeBron James in the airport. Oh my goodness, I, can, I couldn't contain myself. <laughs> Look at all that old footage with Elvis. Those women, man. And guys do the same thing with their favorite athlete, right? Or their, their, their favorite singer. And, and Satan can be working in these people, often demonically. And then we begin to worship what he's doing. Think about all these people are going to tell people who to vote for at some point. You don't think Taylor Swift's going to come out and tweet her favorite candidate? 
that the, the, the enemy uses, and God uses people too as well, praise God for that, but we're not to worship them. That's the difference. Never worship a person. They are fallen, just like you and just like me. Revelation 13, 5-6. And he was given a mouth, so now he has a voice, speaking what? Great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. And again, this would take a while again to break down the three and a half year period, and I'll get to it as we, as we go throughout Revelation. But then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. So for those believers who are here, this will not be hard to uh, spot. And I know a lot of people sometimes get worried. I don't, I don't want to accidentally take the mark of the beast. <laughs> Trust me, you will not, according to the Bible, it will not be an accident. Oops. Oops. And that came up, and i got to be careful on the wording for radio and YouTube because they have little bots that go through and cancel cancel your view to you 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 went against our standards but for those on the radio you'll know i'm talking about i'm putting something up against my shoulder right 21 gauge how many people were worried that that was the mark i mean i answered that question a lot now could things like that be Leading to, you can't go anywhere unless you have this thing. Possibly. Yeah, I could see, I can see how things are going. You can't buy and sell. And I don't know how many of you caught that, but they were getting, LA County was getting pretty serious about this stuff. Can't come in our restaurant. Banks were counsel, counseling people. You know, Nick Vichuka? I don't know. Probably not, this is not a good last name. What is it? Vich- Lori, I knew you'd know. I can count. With no arms and legs? They said that his bank gave him 30 days to close his account. He can no longer bank with them. And I heard him and he was talking about he's starting his own bank. I wish they would. But see, why, what, you, no, now your bank's counseling you. And so we can see how the precursors are there. But it won't be, oops, I got this and now, I, now am I following Satan? No, it appears it's going to be a clear Lying in the sand. Listen, you need to go and, and do this in order to buy and sell. And we get to that next week. You need, you need to do this. And, and you need to give allegiance to you know, this, this person, this Antichrist, this Satan. And by giving allegiance, you're letting the world know that you're marked. Now, again, next week. On, on, and that's how you know. It's a clear decision you're making. You know the cost. This is where you're going to separate a lot of the wheat from the chaff. I ch- just a personal opinion, this could be part of the great falling away. Because this is when you're going to see, hey, we're, I thought these were Christians. Mm-mm. That's one good way. If you're not willing to give up your life for Christ, doesn't mean you're not going to fear. Doesn't mean you're not going to, you know, this is scary. Yeah, but Lord, it, but one, of the, one of the things you know for certain, if you're not willing to give up for your life for what you believe, what do you believe? Because that's a, that's a convenient Christianity. It works right now, you know? But when you're tested, that's when you're going to see what really a person is made of. Again, I don't, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean that genuine 
Christians might cave in. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to be here again, right? I'm praying that I'm, we're out of here. But at the same time, we want to be prepared. And that's been one of my biggest concerns is if we're not preparing people, what happens if they are confronted with this? Wait a minute. Shane said, we're, I won't see this. Is everything he told me wrong? Because that's we start to challenge ourselves, don't we? And like, well, they they believe this, and they told me this, and that's what happens when people come out of cults, is they start to really um, fear church again, and what people say, and to some degree, rightly so, because you want to use this term. But also, there's an element there of also trust, trusting the word of God and what it says. So he was given great authority to continue, and he's, he's blaspheming God. He's blaspheming his name, his tabernacle. How do you blaspheme God's tabernacle? But do you know that's what's happening when they put up, you put up rainbow flags in the church or on the sign? Guys, I'm honestly, I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I wish I didn't have to mention these things. I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings, but that's the truth. That is an abomination. That is blasphemy. I wouldn't even want to go in that church because you are sticking your fist in the face of God and saying this sexual sin, this sexual perverted sin is put up here and all are welcome. We are affirming, I don't care what God says. Get out. Get out. That's very dangerous. That's, that's blasphemy. If, that, if that's not blasphemy, I don't know what is. Let's just put it that way. You might as well stick up your middle finger at the cross. And again, I love people, and that's why I'm, I hope it jars people. I hope they hear on the radio, what, what did he say? What, because you've got to wake people out of their slumber. You've got you to wake them out of their slumber. I love talking to a Mormon. I'll, I'll jar them up. I'll say, either you, got, you put me in a predicament. Either Joseph Smith is right or Jesus Christ is right. You can't have them both. What did you just say? I'm going to bring back my bishop. Please do. Please do. You, you, you have to wake them up because you love someone. God rebuked passivity in the Bible. We know of Eli, that priest, that God rebuked because he wouldn't restrain his sons. Do you know Samuel did the same thing? He would not restrain his sons. And God gave him a king. Passivity, passivity. Another article, it just came out in the Washington Times today. You can find it on the number one problem in the conservative movement is we have the truth, but we have no love. Because I can say everything I just said, but if it's from an angry, bitter heart, how dare you, and my heart's wrong, I can hurt people. But if God breaks me and there's weeping, I, I love our nation, I love our children, I love the public schools, I love, I love libraries, <laughs> taking my daughter on dates there, but I'm not going to let a transgender, perverted man read to children and say nothing. You might as well just, put me, just take me out of the game. How can we walk around as cowards and say nothing? But change, act like Jesus. Yeah, I'm about ready to throw over a money changer in table two. Can you, can you imagine that? And listen, listen. Can you imagine if there's a, a man sexually provocative to children what he would do? 
He, there's nothing wrong with money changers in the temple. Did you know that? Research it. Nothing wrong with it. You have, actually have to have it to exchange the denarii or this or this coin or this coin for the, the sacrifice. But they were taking advantage of the people in God's house. I would, if, if there's a couple things in the Bible, parting the Red Sea, resurrection, <laughs> watching Jesus flip over some tables and make a whip, let's just think this through. He, that takes a minute. Can you do it? I used to make, you know, you take three, three cords. Laura, you probably know with horsing. And you rope the cords and you get it and you get it and you get it. Maybe tie a knot. Get some, you know, things in. And, and boy, you got a nice little whip there. And he, because he couldn't physically hit them, which, but he could drive them out. Oh, what do he say? Zeal for my father's house has consumed me. How much more should we say? Zeal for God's word has consumed me. He loves the little ones and he loves this and this perversion is pulling us down. Oh, it'd be better for you if you were not even born or a millstone hung around your neck and cast into sea than to lead one of these little ones astray. Our, our silence speaks volumes. Don't be mean, don't be angry, don't be violent, but for the love of God, be bold and say, you are perverted, you will not hurt our children. If that offends you, good, good, good. I'm glad that offends you. We don't share it a lot, but people can, I'm never coming back to your church, pastor, you offended me. Well, is it, is it a good offense though? Let's talk about it. Is it a good offense? Because if it is, I'm glad I offended you. My God, I'm not playing games. I didn't come here to make friends. I didn't come here for all of you to say, well, but that was so great. Everybody just loved it. Nobody's feelings are hurt. Because I read the prophets, they hurt my feelings. I just read in Hosea, they became an abomination like the thing they loved. I'm like, oh God. What is blasphemy? What is, what, they're going to blaspheme, what is it? It's saying or doing things that insult God or Christ and offends His followers. In the United States, blasphemy used to be a criminal offense. Did you know that? I, I love this case. It's in my book, One Nation Above God. We've got free copies if you ever want any. In the People versus Rugals, 1811. I love this court case. The defendant was tried in court for making vulgar comments about Jesus and his mother. I can't say what he said. In public, he said this. The defendant's attorney, though, said, hey, <laughs> open and shut case, just like today. There's nothing they can do based on freedom of speech. Well, the judge didn't agree. Because he understood the true intent of this First Amendment. The defendant was convicted, fined, and sentenced to three months in jail. Although foreign to our way of thinking, Judge Kent plainly stated, nothing could be more offensive to the virtuous part of the community or more in, in, uh, injurious, injuries, right, inflicting more injuries to the tender morals of the young than to declare such profanity lawful. That guy is bold. Basically, he's telling the person, you're in trouble. 
freedom of speech. You're, you said these perversions about Jesus and you're, you're altering the conscience of the young kids and you're giving them this bad example. You misunderstood the intent of the First Amendment. The original intent of the First Amendment, here, you guys ready for the biggie here? <laughs> it's so you could speak the truth and not be hindered from the government. King George, they would go, you, you can't say anything against the king. King George III, I believe it was. You can't say anything against the king. It's, it's like nothing, right? It's like, can't say anything. So the First Amendment said, yes, you can share grievances about the government and what they're doing. Now they're trying to shut us down from that, but it's okay to promote child porn on Twitter and Facebook. That's free speech. Are you kidding me? It was never meant to injure other people. See, with freedom of speech comes moral responsibility. So although I have the freedom to say things, I have a moral responsibility to make sure that freedom doesn't hurt others. And our freedom of speech is out of control. So blasphemy. But the Bible also talks about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Have you heard that term? How many of you heard the term blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Okay, I know there's more of you than that, but we'll go with that. I, 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 this will be a whole teaching on its own. But it's actually, if you read it in context, the religious leaders... Jesus was doing all these miracles and the religious leader said, that's not God, that's the devil. And Jesus goes on to say, they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. All other sins will be forgiven, but not the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So, I'm going to unpack that for a minute because I think it's important. Number one, without a shadow of a doubt, it's attributing the work of God to Satan. Okay? This is my big beef against cessationism. And there's a big conference coming up at a church here about an hour from us on sensationism. So I told one of the speakers this week, I said, you're walking a very dangerous line. You are calling, because of some clowns on YouTube, you're dismissing all of the fruit and work of the Holy Spirit. You're calling a genuine move of God Satanic. Of course, he never responded, but isn't that true? Did you know what you just saw this morning? Did you know what you just saw this morning? Last night was incredible. That every single one of those speakers would say, That's not God. That's emotionalism and demonic. God help them. Well, I'm sure glad I don't believe that. Can you imagine that frigid, frozen state of Christianity? Don't get too excited. Don't go to the altar. Don't get emotional. John, three songs is enough. What are you, what are you, what are you doing this for? You can't. You can't. What are you doing this for? And, and he... Oh, see, he's getting emotional. He's trying, to, he's, trying to, he's trying to draw people in. These guys are modern-day Pharisees. Of course they don't know anything about the Spirit of God moving in their lives. They're, never, they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Now, let's put that phrase in context. 
the reason it's not forgivable is these religious leaders that Jesus was addressing were not Christians. They didn't know God. They're on their way to hell. So you can't, I can't say that about this group of people. So these religious leaders were attributing the works of God to Satan and thus rejecting Jesus. That's the unpardonable sin. That's the unpardonable sin in the Bible. When you reject Jesus, from there, there is no forgiveness. Now, can a person reject Him and then come back to Him? I believe so. And that's what blasphemy is going to be. It's going to be so... The, the blasphemy taking place right now is incredible. I, and sometimes I like, Lord, am I in a dream? A nightmare? In the twilight zone? It's been a long time. Why are these two drag queens at a church reading to kids and wearing thongs and dancing on... With these, with, these guys have problems. And I'm the problem? <laughs> but see, that is a society so deluded so polluted with moral corruption that they call good evil and evil good. They drink the Kool-Aid. You know what that phrase comes from? Close to a thousand people dead by following a cult leader. Jim Jones, they drank the Kool-Aid. I saw pictures this week. I went and researched it. Just the hundreds of people across this, this property dead. Children. They drank the Kool-Aid. They followed this person who was not of God. I heard him like talk for three sentences. I'm like, I know he's not of God. What, what's wrong with these people? Drink the Kool-Aid. So that's blasphemy. And that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And blasphemy in this time is going to be so rampant. Which, <laughs> to me, it's, it's getting... How do you, like, Lord, what's, what's, what's worse? What's next? I mean, there's stuff, I can't, because there's kids in here, I can't even tell you. If you follow Victor Marks and what he's doing, and like these two gay guys adopted this son, this little baby, it just, I just want to hit somebody. It's like, well, and I can't even tell you what, what happens. Like, Lord, this is not right. This is, something's off here. And I, I don't want to go old school Shane Eidelman, Lord, so please keep me humble, <laughs> broken. Right? Because you, you want to hit people. You want to throw over money changer things because now it's, you've crossed the line. They have crossed the line. You're hurting little innocent kids, guys. You've crossed the line. This is not, I'm not playing games anymore. I can't hurt you, but God can. And I'm going to pray that He wakes you up and you repent. And so it was granted to him, verse 7. So who granted to him to make war? So this, this, this beast is now going to make war with the saints. So see, there are Christians here during this time. And he's going to overcome them. And the authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation, basically over the whole world. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And it's a great reminder that God's sovereignty is our sanity, is it not? Because <laughs> the saints will actually be overcome by this. And I, to me, it's a great encouragement. I don't like this, but it's a great encouragement. Like, okay, sometimes evil looks like it's winning. It does, doesn't it? 
Dang. <laughs> Everything I just explained, right? The last 15, it looks like evil. God, we're not winning. <laughs> Anybody feel that way? Uh, California's a cesspool. Sacramento's a septic tank. Washington is a leech line. God, we're, we're, we're not winning. Hello? Jesus even said, you got me. Take me. This is your hour. <laughs> Just give me a couple more days here. Man, can you, I just get, I get goosebumps. Jesus, you got me, okay. <laughs> yep, this is your hour. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, sir. Oh, God, when he wins the temple, I can't wait to watch that veil rant. I can't wait till the, the earth to shake and the Roman soldier to say, clearly, this was the Son of God. And darkness came across the whole land and the dead rose from the graveyards and started walking away from, what were they saying then? This is a man. God is awesome. And this is where I believe spiritual war often turns into physical war. The spiritual battle will have physical consequences. And this is not a message on taking up arms and what do we do, when do we fight, when don't. I get that question a lot and uh, to be honest with you, I don't have an answer. I know that's not our default position. That's not what we're looking for. Uh, The culture we live in, it's not like 1776, (laughs) right? You got this invading army, Great Britain, and actually it wasn't a bunch of farmers rebelling. It was called the law of the lesser magistrate. That the governing officials in the United States, governing officials declared the war, and the citizens followed those governing officials. And people are like, oh, no, 1776, civil war. What are you going to do? Shoot, please. Half these guys are my friends. What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. But at what point do you defend your family? Absolutely. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Wouldn't even blink. Me? Take me. It's it. Like you give up your life. But now you're coming after others that I'm called to protect? You know, we got a, we got a problem there. But again, I don't know how it's all going to manifest. I know where it's, our heart shouldn't be for war. Our heart shouldn't be to build up ammunition. and that's not Because then you can become very fearful and you can become off-balanced. Right? And when you're off balance, and when you're fearful, and when you're watching all the doomsday preppers, you might pull the 9mm instead of bowing your knee and praying. He who uses a sword is going to die by the sword. There are times when it appears evil is winning. But I want to I talk about this real quick. The Book of Life. The Book of Life. GotQuestions.org. I quote them often. I don't agree with some of the things. Uh, again, you'll never find a website you'll agree with everything. But they said if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The book of life in this context is the set of names of those who will live with God forever in heaven. The book of life is also mentioned in these other passages. The same book is called the Lamb's Book of Life because it contains the names of those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The great white throne judgment described in Revelation 20 that we'll get to I wish I could hop to all these things right now, but I've got to be patient, is a judgment for unbelievers. That passage makes it clear that no one at the judgment has had his name in the book of life. The fate of the ungodly is sealed. Their names are not in the book of life. Their punishment is sure. Now, the question always comes up, can their name be erased from the book of life? Right? 
Well, I'll let the Calvinists and the Armenians debate that, right? Because one thinks you can lose the salvation, other thinks you can't lose the salvation. I've shared my view plenty of times on this topic, um, and I, I don't believe that a person can lose their salvation once they are sealed with the Holy Spirit, once the Holy Spirit is given to them as a guarantee, once you are a child of God, a supernatural act takes place, and you are born again. Now, not everyone agrees. Half this church probably disagrees, and that's okay, because there are warning verses that I've talked about before on um, warning a believer to abide, warning, warning, warning a believer not to fall away. And, and, so there's, and so what I do, if I weigh everything on the scale, I come away with, okay, Unless the Holy Spirit seals me means I can undo the seal. Unless the Holy Spirit is given to me as a partial guarantee, not a full guarantee. Because he says the Holy Spirit is given to you as a guarantee until you receive your inheritance. So can I undo that? This, all these languages, I think, I think we're sealed. And God holds us. Now, the, and cry, how can you be a child of God? And then uh, you know, six months later, I'm no longer a child of God. Guys, sorry, you see me walking around Walmart drinking and laying out and I'm homeless now. And I come back to the Lord. Oh man, I'm born again. That was a close call. Whew. Aren't you guys glad? And here I go again, walking away in a couple years. Now I'm not minimizing that. I'm not trying to make fun, but that's my mind. That's how I think. How can the supernatural act took place where I'm a, I'm a child of God? Now there are verses that warn abiding, don't fall away. And I, I can break them down. I think the context says a lot. But I'm, I'm resting in God's sovereignty. That he holds me. I, if I have to hold myself, what do you do with Alzheimer's and dementia? What do you, what do, you do with, with things, brain to, and you can't think straight anymore? Now is your faith contingent upon how you think? And so that's where I don't believe a person can have their name re, uh, raised from the book of life, but I tell them you better live like you can. And then I do get people that get mad at me on this. They say, well, you're, you're just... Uh, once saved, always saved, and people can do and live however they want. That's not biblical. And I say, no, if they're living however they want, they're not saved. They're, they didn't lose it. They just don't have it. It's, it's clear. They walked among us, but they were not of us. But had they been of us, they would have stayed with us. Okay. But again, but again, there are people here, even on leadership or deacons, that, that, that think you can lose your salvation, and I respect that view. I understand it. When you look at the Scriptures, again, it's like, <laughs> like I, I just have a to me there's a lot more support for God holding us in a supernatural act because being born again something supernatural takes place it's not just oh, a decision I'm, I want to be on this team now I want to be on this team like born again you are supernaturally sealed with the Holy Spirit and that's how you can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit he never leaves you the Bible never says he leaves you because as a believer, you're given the Holy Spirit and you can quench and grieve to such a degree you feel lost. In my 20s, I was quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit and then when I came back to him, I thought I was never saved to begin with because of how much I'm on fire for God now and how I'm quenching and grieving the Spirit. But there was always that conviction, right? Wake up Sunday morning like, what did I do on Saturday? Oh, where did I go? How did I get home? God, I don't want to keep doing that. There's a conviction there. Now, if there's no conviction, ah, because there's people who love sin. Man, no, I had fun. That was great. Let's do it again. Unbeliever. Because they're caught in that sin. So let's close with Revelation 13, 9 through 10. Everything we just read. 
He said, if anyone has ears to hear, have we heard that before? If anyone, if you guys ever want these slides, just contact the office, they can send them to you. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. So he's breaking all this down. Here comes this one world leader. Here's what he's going to do. So if you have ears to hear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. I knew I read that somewhere. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Benson Commentary said, of all the trials and persecutions of the church, this would be the most severe and exceed those of the primitive times, both in degree and in duration. He's saying it will get difficult. It will get difficult. George Mueller, he said, when the day of recompense comes, our only regret will be that we have done so little for him, not that we have done too much. So really think about that. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That was one of the things that the, the, the cries of the prophets, that would be a good sermon title sometime, the cries of the prophets, they would say that he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Joel would cry out and return. That's what I was going to talk about last night. Joel would cry out, cry out and return to God. Raise up your voice like a trumpet, he told one of the prophets. Samuel said, if you return to God with all your heart and put away your idols, God will renew you. Isaiah said, raise your voice like a trumpet, return to God and be healed. Jeremiah said, God said, obey my voice and live. Amos said, put away from me all your fake worship. Get rid of this noise. Stop coming in and going through the motions, but let just Justice run down like a river and might righteousness like a mighty stream. Call on God and God alone. Get your heart right before Him. And we've all heard of John 3.16, but have you heard of Joel 3.16? It said, the Lord will roar from Zion and the heavens will shake. There is no disputing that God is the ultimate victor in this battle. 